Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Oh. Release date Sunday the 31st of December <sighs> and I'm going to say this for the last time 2023. Suddenly an alarm began to sound. The doctor dropped his chalk and hurried down the metal steps to the console. That alarm. I don't think I've ever heard that before, said Missy, reading displays on another panel. Nor have I, agreed the doctor. It's a unique signal, an energy form I don't recognize. But there's something else in there, something more familiar, observed Missy. Artron energy. The doctor shook his head. How can time energy be used as a distress signal? That makes no sense. And yet, here we are. Hello to all you lovely people. Oh. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. As you may have noticed, this podcast is Reese. Reese. Hello, Reese. Nice to meet you. <laughs> it's released on the uh, on New Year's Eve 2023, literally seconds before globular cluster M13 in Hercules impacted on the far side of the moon. Mm, I read that in the paper. Uh, what do we do? Wish you a happy new year prematurely, uh, gambling on you saving the podcast until after New Year's Eve? Or what? Benji and I will discuss this burning topic. We've got fire extinguishers standing by. After that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of the 10th Doctor Classic Companions. Once upon a time, that is how stories begin. Then we go behind the scenes with the latest Doctor Who audio novel, written by Colin Brake, The Chaos Cascade, released this Thursday, the 4th of January, 2024. My name is Colin Brake, and I wrote The Chaos Cascade. Following that, it's the return of listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. All the latest from our beyond exciting electronic inbox. (laughs) Warning, Sprouts will feature. Sprouts alert. Uh, Then we're straight into the Randomoid Selectatron, which will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount dutifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager, Happy New Year, Jackie Emery. Uh, The selection is a genuine mystery to us at this point, but here's an edited-in later preview of what it'll almost certainly turn out to be. Welcome, the year's top pop sensation! And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's from the Doctor Who audio novel, The Chaos Cascade, by Colin Brake. You do know you're being totally unreasonable, don't you? Her words were directed at that infuriating do-gooder, the Doctor. How many of his pets... No, not pets. What did he call them? Assistants? Companions? Human shields? Whatever they were called. She knew that there must have been dozens of them over the years, standing exactly where she was, saying something remarkably similar. Surely she was better than that. Wow. Okay. Uh, Here are the headlines, and I've added a few in here, Benji, since I sent the script to you. Uh, The New Year celebrations. Colin Brake. um, Why I'm I'm still here and not in hospital. Uh, The Radio Times podcast and Globular Cluster M13 in Hercules. Anything to add to that, Benji? I think that's enough, quite. That's a lot there. There's a lot to wade through. What would you like to pick first? 
Well, I mean, let's start on a cheery note and just work our way down until it becomes a sort of general moan. So um, <laughs> why don't we talk general about... General moan here. General moan, oh, yes, sir. Let's talk about Colin Brake first. Oh, well, Colin Brake, who wrote the uh, Cascades, uh, the Chaos Cascade, if I could just get the words in the right order, uh, he used to be a writer and I think a script editor on EastEnders. And he also was a script editor on a series called Family Affairs, which was a Channel 5 soap opera. Which you... Uh, wrote written for. for haven't you yes yeah yeah and um you know i could have had a completely different television career but it just turns out i don't have the patience for it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway i got commissioned to cut a long story short to write an episode of family affairs and then after i'd written it you only had about four days to write it uh i had to go in and see the script editor uh, uh so i went in to see this uh, young woman who was who seemed very stressed she did a lot of, like, her hands were sort of going through, I just bashed my headphones in, her hands were sort of going through her hair all the time and her hair was all, and she was very, the whole thing was really stressing her, she, you know. And and she had several points to make about my script that she really didn't like. She didn't like that I had some characters lying about something. She said, well, this isn't true. And I said, I know they're lying. And they said, well, <laughs> our characters, our characters don't tell lines, lies. And I said, well, people lie all the time. That's kind of like realistic, isn't it? She went, no, oh, I don't like that. You've got to change that. Okay, fine. Um, the, the other thing was, she said, this bit here where someone interrupts this person. I said, yeah. She said, well, how, how will the actor know what they're going to go on to say? And I said, well, if you, what, after the person's interrupted them, they then carry on say, to say the thing they were going to say before. She went, no, well, that's not clear enough. You're going to have to put in brackets what the... Um, what the person was going to say which funnily enough I, I picked up on that and have done that ever since so the actor has somewhere to go I did say to her um, I said I, I am an actor I went to drama school and you learn that kind of thing you you work out what it is the character you know that's part of your responsibility and she said not our actors um, at which point past the big glass window uh, came Colin Brake uh, who was a script producer, I think they called him. And he saw me and pointed and went, ah, came in. Big handshake and everything. Oh, hi, Nick. How are you doing? Well, I heard you were writing one. Well, that's brilliant. Oh, so you're in with whatever this person's name was. I don't even remember. She's probably running, you know, the whole of television now. <laughs> um, and um, she probably invented the internet. Um, and kind of said, oh, and I said, well, they're just a few things. And he, and he said to the script editor, what sort of things? She said, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just, just a few issues we're dealing with. And he said, no, 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 I'm really interested. Sort of sat on the desk, you know. You could almost imagine him in a cardigan with a pipe. He's like, no, 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 do tell, do tell. And uh, she said, uh, very reluctantly, she told me, she told him what all the issues were. And on each one, he went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he completely agreed with me on each one. Because <laughs> she, she didn't tell him what her point of view was. She just fairly presented them. He said, oh, no, definitely that. And, you know, she's like, right. And this. And, and he went, oh, brilliant. Well, I hope I've helped to solve some problems here. <laughs> and I said, yeah, thanks, Colin. And he left. And then the script editor, she just, she hadn't liked me much beforehand. But then she completely hated me because just by chance, I not really manipulated her boss into telling her that I was right. So that was, uh, yeah, she didn't ever want to see me again. <laughs> I did write a few affairs, more episodes, right? but I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. Oh, I, really? I couldn't bear writing scenes about buying milk and, <laughs> and, and, and you know what I mean? I just, or, or who's going out with who or what yeah, are you doing? They gave me the, for everybody. Oh God. They gave me the Valentine's day episode, which was a real compliment, you know? And, uh, I'd, that's the only one I saw and I saw it by accident I came back off holiday and put the television on 
I thought, oh, what's this rubbish? Oh, God, it's family affairs. And I thought, hold on, that line's familiar. Oh, my God, I wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, if I'd persisted with that, you see, I could have... I I nearly got to write for The Bill, but then I just thought, I I like watching The Bill, but I don't want to write it. That's terrible, isn't it? I've just, you know... I mean, I would have preferred London's Burning, but, you know, we can't have everything. But you see, that... But that's what all these great writers like Russell T. Davis, they persisted with writing on these shows that weren't perhaps there. I only really wanted to write Doctor Who, and I just stuck with that and eventually <laughs> got the chance to do it in this strange audio way. Now, there's my Colin Brake story, and a, f- a fantastic guy, lovely bloke. Well, and, and brilliant to know that he's he's joining us on this, uh, on yeah, this audio he's written, drama he's, as well. Yeah, he's written a few things for us and, and written a lot of Doctor Who books, so he was an ideal choice, really, for... A Doctor Who audio novel. Why am I still here, not in hospital? Uh, I was. Uh, you might have caught a little subtextual message last time in the podcast. I just threw it in that I was going to be under the knife, I think I said, on the 29th of uh, December, which is today we're recording. Spoiler alert. Uh, but it's, it being the NHS, the good old NHS, who we love dearly, uh, they've postponed it until the 2nd of January. So if you're listening to this on the 2nd of January... I will be completely unconscious. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. Yes. <laughs> They'll just be popping streamers over your, your unconscious body on the slab. Um, <laughs> Happy New Year. Oh, no, a bit's gone inside. Hold on a little bit. Oh, just, never mind. Never He'll never mind. notice uh, after a few pints of Guinness. Uh, globular cluster M13 in Hercules, which I mentioned earlier. Oh, cool. If- that's big. That's all over the intergalactic broadsheets, isn't it? <laughs> literally bits of it you have to sort of wipe it off it's it's quite it's quite irritating i don't know what globular cluster m13 in hercules is but it is mentioned in a book by a certain famous author and i'm not going to say who it is and if you know folks write into podcast at bigfinish.com um and it does have a vague reference to big finish i'll say no more but if anyone can work that out you're some kind of genius and i will respect you forever um uh, the radio times podcast the best ever doctor who story uh, i was invited to be on that in which spoiler alert i defended death to the daleks too right too right so you're completely correct in your, your judgment <laughs> on my but then you're, you you've got the worst possible co-host to <laughs> they're probably the only other person that agrees um but, <laughs> exactly hey but then though peter capaldi he he likes Episodes, episode one, you know. I should have said that. I should have said, I don't say it in the podcast. I, it is in my mind to say that Peter said it was, I think, he said there's a, an, a good argument to suggest that Death to the Daleks episode one is the best first episode of a Doctor Who story ever. A man of taste. Yeah. Genius. Man of taste. Genius. Anyway, uh, go and watch that at radiotimes.com. And uh, if only for this, I mean, don't bother listening to it, watch it because I'm wearing a rather nice blue corduroy jacket. Ooh, lovely. Yeah. It's, it was quite a bold choice, but and I had a little um, Remembrance Day poppy badge on it, one of the little ones, Aww. and a, and a slightly lighter blue handkerchief, which wasn't actually a handkerchief. It was just my glasses cleaner. But it just set... I was very pleased with that. That's, that's my takeaway from that. Anyway, it was lovely with Morgan and Louise and Beth. We had a great time. Um... I'll say no more about that. Uh, listen, let's talk about New Year celebrations, Benji. 
I hate New Year. It's the worst day of the year for me. I <laughs> actually say I, this every I year. I hate it so much. I, 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 I I've too, got, ma- too many expectations. I've got more vocal about it. I just hate it. I hate it. If, when it, I might be awake. I might be awake, depending on if I can be bothered to stay up. Um, but uh, yeah, too many expectations. Too much hassle. Too much pressure. Uh, never as good as you expect it to be. Um, just a load of old, just a load of old nonsense. Just no, no. Thank you. Cobblers. I want to use this instead to promote the latest single from my band, Red Was Here, because that's much oh. better. It's called Mighty Strange. You can find it on all streaming services and YouTube. Um, I want to use this platform to, to yeah, put it out there because it's great. I've. Is I've there really any chance we can play a bit of it? You can play as much of it as you like. Yeah, absolutely. Because sure? then people yeah. won't have to buy it if they just. Uh... Oh, it's fine. Though, as long as they listen to it, all we want is the streams. Just go on to, to Spotify or whatever and just stream it. That's That would be well, brilliant. Can, can you send me a copy of it so I can edit Absolutely it can, yeah. It's yeah. mixed by, um, well, it's mastered. I mixed it. and It's mastered by um, a guy called John Davis, who uh, sadly passed away in, in the time that he mixed in, in mastered it to oh. now. He said, um, he, he, uh, he said, oh, you know, once it's released, um, please let me know. And this, he's he's worked on some fantastic things. He's worked with Led Zeppelin, New Order, The Stone Roses, uh, you know, uh, oh, Lana Del Rey, The Alupa. You Alupa. told me because you went to his place because he had some great. Yeah, well, he luck, he was actually doing it remotely, but um, but he's you know he's he's got incredible uh, you know credentials and incredible knowledge and highly respected. Um, but yeah, so I I thought oh, I'll get in touch with him to let him know it's it's out on the twenty first of December, summer solstice and um, winter solstice. Uh, and then I found oh, it's, out it's, 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 oh. that he'd, he'd passed away. So we dedicate the song to him. But it's just really sad, really, that that unfortunately uh, we 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 never we never got to you know that point where it was released and we got yeah. Anyway, but no, well, here you, it is. Then enjoy. You've been acting mighty strange. The look in your eyes. I've She's poison, but like it, I can taste it on your tongue. She's toxic, but addictive, and I know that will never be done.
was mighty strange by Rebbers here. Thank you so much, Nick, for letting us uh, put a bit of it on this podcast. But yeah, you can find it everywhere. It's YouTube, um, all the Spotify, Apple, Deezer, uh, all all those other ones. There are so many, aren't there, quite frankly? Um, Well, yeah, none of those words made any sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Flibble, wibble, wobble and dibble. Yes. Um, It's all out there. Now, uh, in in the company of of promoting things, we're going to play Nick's entire episode of Family Affairs. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine? Can you imagine we just did? Um, Dear, oh dear. Yeah, I remember one that they used to send you a storyline and the storyline was so detailed. I wrote back to them and I said... Listen, if you spent 10 more minutes on this storyline, you'd have your episode. I don't know why, you know. And, and the useless thing of working with them was that they'd say, you know, don't stick to the storyline. Uh, you know, feel free to embellish. And then the moment you embellish, they say, you're not stuck to the storyline. I say, oh, sorry. So then you stick to the storyline. They go, well, you haven't embellished. And I think, Do you know, you guys, you're just not helping anyone here, are you? I remember there was something about, so it said in the storyline, and they and he thinks the lady doth protest too much is what they say. Right, yeah. I thought, well, I'm not going to put that line in. So I found another line similar to it. And they went. And, and when I saw it on television, he said, "Me thinks the lady doth protest too much." I thought, oh well, what was the point of me thinking of a better <laughs> line and you just going for the cliche? Thank you very much. I'm I'm clearly very bitter about it, even though it was years ago. Well, the joke on Family Affairs is it's. It, I don't think it's still around. So. No, Family it was. Affairs, I think it was a case of uh, a new controller coming in, a cyber controller, and uh, and he said uh, this does not belong to us. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it ran was, for a relatively long amount of time, nineteen ninety seven over till two thousand and five. It was their highest rated program for ages. You do not belong to us. Is what the uh, couldn't uh, hear a word of that. Con- oh, couldn't hear of well, it. Yeah, unfortunately, you, not. usually it comes out. I heard it, it, it sounded a little bit like you had a, um electric toothbrush in your mouth. I kind of, all I could hear was little bits of like... Yeah, yeah. That's that, actually hear, what I was yeah. doing. <laughs> Brushing your teeth. Um, well, I suppose let's crack a lack on. Time mm. is short, and uh, the, if we, we don't stop, it'll be New Year. Um, time now, of course, for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised, this week we're looking at the 10th Doctor Classic Companions. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, 10th Doctor Classic Companions. Once upon a time, that is how stories begin. But have you ever stopped to wonder what that means? K9! Yes! The whistle still works! Just like riding a bike. Standby mode, deactivating. Leela! What have you done? Stopped you making a mistake, Peter Kelly. This is not the one we hunt. Leela! It's you! Floor 12. Enjoy your visit to a charitable Earth. Do my best. Miss McShane, you're back! That jump was incredible. Hearts still thumping. Thank you, Doctor. And that car roll this morning. Oh, oh, good luck! First she's ever done. One take. You're the Doctor! Yes, Nissa! I remember! No! We're out of road! You've got a new face, again. And you're still not Scottish. Are you sure about that, lassie? I can do Scottish. I'm totally Scottish. (laughs) Exos expansion triggered. Actualize. 
You need to disconnect that thing. Thing, inanimate object, distinct from sentient beings. Don't listen to him, canine. You have some seriously twisted ideas about filing. Make this thing let me go. Worlds, worlds of plenty, boundless nutrition. Big finish for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type classic companions mm-hmm. into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's what Peter Nolan did oh. at blogtahoo.com. That is Peter Nolan there before his snorkeling holiday to uh, the Maldives. Uh, he, he's actually managed to post this review and he was filming a short stunt show, Stunts of Peter Nolan. Um, wow. Yeah, but of course, the irony of all of this is uh, he had a stunt double. So, um, you know, <sighs> Peter, what are you doing? what are you doing? And it was badly done as well. You know, Peter's got dark hair and a moustache. Stunt double had blonde hair uh, and uh, five arms. So, of course, it was, <laughs> it was glaringly obvious to, I think, all of us. But uh, you know what they'll do? They'll commission everything these days, won't they? Yeah. Peter says, Quantum of Axos may be the standout entry here, but an opportunity to spend time with David Tennant's Doctor is an absolute must. And with Tenth Doctor Classic Companions, the last big finish have planned for the moment, it's your final chance to indulge in some Slim Jim spiky-haired goodness. I always thought Slim Jim was a, a sort of thing that you eat, like a beef jerky, isn't it, in America or something? Um, all I know is the macho man Randy Savage used to say, Snap into a Slim Jim! That was a terrible impression. I can do better. Uh, well, until the 60th anniversary, at least. There we go. That's what he says. Uh, Colt, well done. Thank you, Peter. And, and uh, good to hear about the stunt update. Uh, Cultbox.co.uk, Ian McArdle says, This set of re-encounters with classic companions channels the vibe of school reunion, finding all four old friends still fighting the good fight, just like Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Smith did. I don't know why I couldn't say that. I was <laughs> overcome with emotion. Uh, lots of nostalgic fun. Well, on social media, Colin underscore TBTAMC. I wonder what that means. The big... Mm, There's nothing rude. No, I'm not going to say anything else. It could have got rude. Um, A very enjoyable Sunday afternoon spent listening to Big Finish's Doctor Who, Tenth Doctor, Classic Companions. David Tennant gives every impression of having the time of his life, meeting the companions he watched when he was a nipper. And everyone else is very much on song too. Very nice. Oh. Uh, and David Tennant does good impressions. Says he gave the impression of having yeah. the time of his life. He was actually stuck in a lift, yeah. um, which was horrible because uh, <laughs> somebody left a, a, an old lasagna in there from, you know, way out of date. He had a terrible time. Um, but, he, you know, you'd never know because well, David's right, so fantastic, he, you know. But he's good, good at giving impressions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At Titus says... Uh, Finally got around to listening to the 10th Doctor Classic Companions, which has been great fun. Two exclamation marks. That much fun. Even though I'm not familiar with the Companions, wow. It's great stories and it's so lovely listening to the reunions. And one of those emojis with little hearts all around the face. I like that emoji. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I love it. I'll I'll give it a heart emoji. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hope we will get more of these type of stories in the future. Justin B. Quinnick says, 10th Doctor Classic Companions is literally a dream come true. Literally is a dream come true. 
the dream has wow, actually literally. come true. Um, hearing wow. David perform with John Leeson, Sarah Sutton, Louise Jameson, and Sophie Aldred is an absolute blast and some of the best listening fun all year. Oh, nice. Adam Lance Garcia says uh, Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor Classic Companions, was exactly what I wanted. Also, more Ace and Ten stories, please. Now then, next week, more reviews as we take a look at Torchwood Death in Venice. Coming up soon, listeners, emails and the Randomoids Electron. But first... The Doctor Who audio novels The Chaos Cascade by Colin Brake and here's a fascinating peek behind the scenes. My name is Colin Brake and I wrote The Chaos Cascade. The little alien sank to the floor, burying its head in its hands and gave out a little moan. This is hopeless. He complained. We have failed. And everyone will pay the cost of our failure. Don't be so defeatist, the doctor told him sternly. You've got two of the finest minds ever to graduate the Academy of the Time Lords of Gallifrey. There's not a puzzle in the universe we can't solve, given a little time. Missy shot him a look. Two of the finest minds? Did you ever actually graduate, Doctor? I never can remember. When script editor Roland Moore contacted me to ask if I'd be interested in writing for the new audio novel range, I was excited. Partly because as a freelancer, I'm always excited about the possibility of a commission, but also because I think the audio novel range is a really interesting format and, so far, has produced some classic stories. I've written a handful of Doctor Who novels for BBC Books and Penguin, so I'm familiar with the longer format, but it's been quite a few years since I've written anything this lengthy. 60,000 words is quite a bit of work. Hello, I'm Roland Moore, and I'm script editor on The Chaos Cascade. The area of space in which The Chaos Cascade was located was generally unpopulated, far from the major spaceways, beyond the reach of the various empires, federations and unions that rose and fell with predictable regularity throughout the more populous galaxies. The only exceptions were the Misen and the Tolati. Script editing the Doctor Who audio novels is great fun because you have such a range of adventures. You know, it's sometimes it's second Doctor, sometimes the fourth, sometimes other Doctors that um, I probably can't tell you about. So it's brilliant. You get to have all eras of the show and they're reproduced faithfully for that period of the show, show's history. We also can bring in characters from other aspects of the show. It's characters that didn't meet on TV. So it's great. It's a really sort of creative environment for writers to be in. And it's a joy to script edit what they come up with, sort of shaping it from the very first idea they have to sort of lengthier synopses and then the script itself. The story had quite an interesting development. It was always going to be Capaldi, and the starting point was the 12th Doctor and a companion from another Doctor. So I came up with three short ideas, and Roland and producer David Richardson picked one to develop. The seed of the story is a favourite idea of mine that I'm sure I've explored before. It's a space-time event that causes ripples both forwards and backwards in time. So that led to the Chaos Cascade, an area of space that had been subjected to some terrible event, leading it to be a place where the normal laws of physics of time and space just don't apply. 
From there, I developed a pair of warring alien races to provide antagonists, added a spoiler character to further complicate things, and a MacGuffin that would prompt a quest element to drive the narrative. What's going on? I demanded. You're here to sort out this lost alien, right? The Doctor shook her head and told me that it was a little more complicated than that. Of course, it had to be if the Doctor was involved, I thought to myself. There were plenty of discussions as to who the companion character should be. It was decided from the outset that it could not be one of the regular Capaldi-era companions, so no Clara, no Bill or Nardole. But very early on, David did suggest I could have Missy if I wanted. Well, of course, I wanted Missy. What a great character to add to the mix. So I had the 12th Doctor, Missy, my plot, and a companion role who could perhaps be one of Big Finish's companions from another range. I love the 12th Doctor and Missy's relationship. I think it's unique in terms of the Doctor and the Master. You've got an iteration of the Master here who's trying to sort of find a new way of placing herself in the in the universe. And, you know, I think her arc on TV is, at the end, is quite sort of touching and sort of heartbreaking, you know. So it's great to have the, those two characters to play with and interact with. Uh, finally, after a couple of full starts, everybody settled on Tanya Bell, specifically Tanya at the very end of the Stranded box set. The next stage was to write a full treatment, which was met with some enthusiasm and an intriguing idea from David Richardson. He said, what about having three narrators? I'm Dan Starkey, and I'm one of the narrators on The Chaos Cascade. My name's Beth Chalmers, and I have been reading The Chaos Cascade. My name's Rebecca Root, and I am playing Tanya Bell. And it's really exciting to suddenly think, well, you've got three actors to, to use, you've got three different voices, plus within those voices, you know, the, the range of things each of them can do as well because obviously they're normally narrated by one person doing a range of voices. So here we have three people doing perhaps a range of voices as well as their specific character. Um, so it was really exciting. I wasn't sure whether this should all be third person if we're going to have narrators. Eventually we decided that the Doctor focus part will be read by Dan in third person, the Missy focus part will be read by Beth in third person, but the Tanya section would be performed by Rebecca yeah, as first-person narration. It's great fun. It's a, it's a great story. It got a real sort of nice um, sci-fi feel that you've, we, there is a bit of set on Earth and uh, there's crashed spaceships, alien spaceships, but also there's strange people in, so like, uh, in, old, in old houses and things. But also it goes all across lots of different uh, exciting science fiction locations. So very uh, like the classic series, the classic story, The Keys of Marinus, which is like a quest across lots of different crazy places each episode. So it's, uh, it's nice, it keeps on twisting and turning. The Chaos Cascade is a romp through space with Missy and with the Doctor, where they meet two races of Misons and Tolity, and they're an age-old time war, and there's a treasure hunt element where they have to find all these, all these pieces, all these artefacts, they have to work out how they work, they have to solve a problem, and they have to, of course, save the universe. We've got a couple of villains, a galactic war that's sort of like uh, trying to be averted. We've got uh, false friends, and we've got uh, nasty mercenaries with his own rubbish time machine. So it's, it's great. It's got, it's got something for everyone. Having the three narrators was a technical challenge, especially since it quickly became clear that I couldn't just break it down into chapters for each voice. I had to cut between the different narrators throughout each episode 
or chapter. Probably one of the challenges of that was to ensure that they each had about a third of the novel to do. So we <laughs> we went through various ways of ensuring that happened. Because obviously you don't want to have to count each word. You don't want to have to write them as separate documents. So at one point we had um, uh, colour-coded sequences and yeah, that seemed to work quite well. So in the end, yes, we managed to sort of split the action up between three people and um, three fantastic performers. It was brilliant. It's very different narrating a third of the audiobook. If I were doing this just by myself, I would definitely just like uh, you know, do the voices consistently. But we're sort of sharing those responsibilities between us. So we're all recording on different days and we're sort of doing our best to kind of triangulate our performances so they all sort of sound the same. I mean, obviously... With uh, with uh, with the twelfth Doctor and Missy, we've got sort of uh, and 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 Tanya Bell, we've got uh, people bona fide from the series to uh, to emulate. But uh, then with the rest of the characters, we've probably got our own spin on the different alien species and individuals that we meet. But uh, yeah, just trying to just trying to coordinate those is is fine. But hopefully, it'll have a nice energy where we're passing the baton narratively between different scenes and different uh, different points of view in between each little section. So hopefully, that'll keep it uh, keep 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 it motoring on for the listener. Doing a third of a portion of an audiobook is fantastic because there's less to do <laughs> I think sometimes when you're reading an audiobook you start to feel sorry for the listener and think I'm so sorry it's still me I'm so sorry I'm wittering on I'm so sorry if I'm boring you but at least I know that they'll get some respite when they listen to Rebecca or Dan so it's, it, it can feel like the beginning of a book every time when you when you plunge in again there's a fresh start and there's a wonderful feeling with an audiobook where you want to get it perfect and the beginning the first chapter of an audiobook is always your best but because we're rotating every chapter is like the first chapter so I get to come in fresh every time so you know I got to stay absolutely focused on the story the entire way because I was going in and out of it and I much much prefer it like this may they all be this way uh, one of the biggest problems was deciding exactly how much reported and direct speech there should be. I'm a script uh, writer first, so there was one draft with too much dialogue, then a version that stripped a lot of that out and replaced it with reported speech. Finally, we did a version that reinstated a lot of the direct speech, and I hear it all went very well in the studio, so I think we got there in the end. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type cascade into the search pane at the top to find this one, and that's out this Thursday, the 4th of January. Right, so now, it's time for... Oh, listeners' emails. And if you want to make a noise like Nick's just made, then mm. you can, but I don't, I don't think you could type it. I don't know if it would work, but, you know, no, no, whatever. No. Um, intrigued to see whether this email well, it will be going out on the last day of 2023. Will anybody be able to, to get an email in before the new year? Um, we never know. Good we point. never know. Um, we've got one here from our good friend Anthony Zahetna. Um, subject, Knickers and Snickers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dear Nick and Benji. It is interesting to read about the different names for chocolate bars around the world. Yeah, we Apparently did go on about the, it, didn't we? Yeah. We did. Apparently the Mars bar was named after its inventor, Mr. Forrest Mars Sr., in 1932, rather than the planet. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. Previously, Mr. Mars had introduced the Milky Way bar in America in 1924, which was named after milkshakes rather than the galaxy. I'm not buying this. <laughs> um, that's the type of thing somebody says after. Do you know what I mean? That's the type of thing somebody says, oh, no, we didn't actually do that. But it makes me want to they... go out and buy a Milky Way. Do they still make them? 
Uh, they certainly do, yeah. Well, I've, I've had a celebrations box this Christmas, and uh, I have <gasps> to say that the Milky Way has been uh, probably my favourite one to, to eat. Well, I've probably said this a million times, so fast forward, folks, but their slogan was the treat you can eat between meals because it was meant to be light. So I took that literally as a child and I said, well, I'll have a Milky Way, please, mummy. (laughs) And my mother said, well, you better eat your dinner, which um, in our working class way was actually the lunchtime meal. And um, and I said, well, it says you you can. She said, well, all right, on your head be it. So I ate the Milky Bar and then I was served up some ghastly mint stew for lunch I couldn't I couldn't eat it <laughs> she made me sit there all afternoon looking at it until it was stone cold and wouldn't let me leave the table gosh yeah 20th century parenting skills folks yeah, yeah well, she eventually let me off that like a like a like someone who was hanging from a gibbet who a last minute bit of evidence had come in to to let them off the crime and that she reluctantly cut me down and let me leave the table but it left me traumatised you know it's, it's weird. when you're very young and you trust your parents and then they force you to eat food or to suffer. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah. The smell of cold mints in my nostrils. <laughs> but, it didn't put, but it didn't put you off a Milky Way, though. No, or mints, funny enough. Well, there we go, then. That's the, you know, there is a happy ending, somewhat. <laughs> um, but yes, it says here that the Milky Way bars were named after milkshakes rather than the galaxy. It actually resembled more of a Mars bar in the USA. Oh. The Milky Way bar in the UK and Australia is known as Three Musketeers bar in the US. And there were three Neapolitan flavours. I've always wondered what the Three Musketeers actually taste like, and now I know. A Milky um, bar. It's probably more sugary as well. It's Definitely. In America. Um, yeah. 1930s saw the birth of the Snickers peanut chocolate bar named after Mars's family's favourite horse, Snickers. And Snickers is also the noise that a horse makes, isn't it? <laughs> to say a horse is snickering. Snicker, yeah. yes it is, yeah. yes. Uh, when it made its way to the UK in 1967, it was renamed as a marathon bar as Snickers sounded too much like... <coughs> Nickers. <laughs> um, <laughs> the jingle here is Snickers really satisfies... Um, <laughs> That's I think, just Snick- uh, yeah, Nickers whole- really satisfied. What? Excuse me? Uh, <laughs> M&M's were first sold in 1941 and were named after Mars and his business partner, Bruce Murray. Uh, oh. uh, Mars and Murray. Um, they are copies of Smarties chocolate beans, which don't actually make you smarter. Um, <laughs> there we go. We, I mean, I was worried for a moment. I've been eating them and nothing's happened. Um, rather, uh, they had been given to soldiers during the Spanish Civil War from 1937 as the chocolate wouldn't melt in the heat due to its candy shell. Good A man. smart idea. Oh. Uh, M&M's developed the famous tagline, melts in your mouth, not your hand, uh, in 1949. And it certainly has been a rocky road. Uh, There's a that. little chocolate joke there. Anthony, well done. Thank you, I, I Anthony. thoroughly enjoyed that email. Yeah, I thought you might. Here's another thoroughly enjoyable one from our good old friend Fatina Issa, who says yes to Brussels sprouts. <laughs> well, she was already one of my favourite people, but she's just completely gone Redeemed up. herself it, even more. It, yeah. yeah, No to genetically engineered foods, dot, dot, dot. She says, hi there, Benji and Nick. Oh, Benji goes first. Hi there. Uh, hi there. The Brussels sprouts discussion got my attention as nutritional science interests me. Mm. Well, it takes all sorts, Fatina. I did not grow up with Brussels sprouts as part of my family's meals. I learned about this vegetable from friends watching them prepare it in various ways. 
Uh, being a culinary explorer, I learned more about them and I'm proud to include them in my vegan diet. Well, there we go. Uh, Benji, you were right in connecting cabbage to sprouts, as sprouts are a member of the cabbage family. In fact, I call sprouts little cabbages. Each Aww. to their own, Fatina. <laughs> Why do you call them sprouts? Because that's what they're called. Anyway, <laughs> I had sprouts last night. Carry on. Oh yeah, yeah. I in didn't. A pie. But, well, yeah. with a pie. Yeah, not, in, not a pie. in a pie. I would have a sprout pie, but we've gone. We've talked about my sprout excesses. Sprouts with a sprout pie. Oh, that would be sprout we, curry. Sprouts. I saw somebody over Christmas's mother had made them sprout curry. Which I thought was quite fun. Sprout anything. The sprouts we had this Christmas were particularly good. Steph roasted them mm. on uh, Christmas Day. And I said, they're really nice roasted. And then we had some of the same batch boiled the next day. And I said, oh, no, they still taste nice. It's It wasn't the roasting. They're it was the fact the that these are really nice. Uh, the bitter taste uh, that many experience comes from the glucosinates <laughs> in sprouts. <laughs> I didn't really pronounce that properly. But that's to find out how it's pronounced. On Glu- the interweb. Glucosinates, yeah. okay. The molecular structure is similar to PTC. There is no PTC in sprouts. You heard it here, folks. There are ways to prepare sprouts to lessen the bitter taste. I won't bore you with those details here. What? We wanted the details, Fatina. Right back in with the boring details. That's what this podcast is about. Oh, oh I'm promoting Big Finish. Sorry. Uh, this entire conversation reminds me of discussions around c- coriander or cilantro tasting soapy to many people yeah glucosinolate glucosinolates glucosinolates is how you pronounce it just if you could folks just go back and edit that in for me (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so coriander tasting soapy a lot um uh, my wife thinks coriander tastes a bit soapy i don't think it tastes soapy I, i think it has an odd taste i think sometimes coriander's nicer than other times i think sometimes coriander just tastes like leaves that have gone off a little bit then other times it can taste absolutely brilliant and elevate a meal. But that's another conversation for another time, says Fatina wisely. I just discussed it. I know. <laughs> Food is such a personal topic. It's very personal. Each of us decides how to nourish our body based on what we can access. I'm fortunate to have access to food that feeds my vegan diet. I'll leave you with a few links to peruse for more information. Hope the holidays went well. All the best in the new year. Lots of love from Chicago. Fatina. P.S. Nick, uh, when you mentioned rocket, I had to investigate as my mind went directly to rocket fuel. <laughs> Smiley emoji. In the States, it's called Arugala. 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 So there's links to the chemistry of Brussels sprouts, bitterness and genetics. Brussels sprouts and the cilantro gene. It says 4.2. Four colon three nine is that where it is in the video i expect it's a youtube oh link. of course thank you for interpreting with your modern skills <laughs> well lovely to hear from you fatina send in all the love your way we've got one more here from james dylan uh subject what's going on with the fugit doctor and call me master releases yeah Someone from Inquiry suggested I contact you. Just looking at any sort of update about the Fugitive Doctor and Call Me Master releases. Mm -hmm. There's been no news, nothing, since their initial announcement. Are there scripts? Are they being worked on? Anything? Thanks for your time, Jay Dillon. It's a really... Anything? Anything? Yes, I'll give you something. They're really uh, worthwhile questions. As I've mentioned before, we can't just say stuff. Uh, we're licensed by the BBC 
and so we have to get permission to release information. Uh, so we haven't released any information, so you join the dots. I mean, I can tell you this, that it's certainly being worked on. There certainly are scripts, some written, some recordings have been done. So, you know, it's it's well on the way. But as for when it can be released, that is a question uh, for uh, that. It's in our schedules for a certain time, but um, we can't talk about it at the moment. That's that's a question for the BBC, really. And that's it for the emails. We're off to a great start this year, aren't we? Yeah, we I certainly so. are. Yeah. More next week. Uh, and also try and put in some words that I have trouble pronouncing, which won't be difficult. I'm particularly looking forward to more Sprout emails and more on chocolate bars, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got the, I've got one of my favourites here. What's that? Which is... Oh, I can't quite see. It's not focusing. Has it got the... Oh, t- Terry's. You see, that's it with my mum having died. That's one of the things I really miss this year because she would always get us Terry's chocolates and she would wrap them up so it would be obvious what they were because they'd just be round and we'd, <laughs> Little, and we'd yeah. always go, mm, I wonder what this is, Mum. She'd go, oh, yes, it's so difficult to guess, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so bless her. Um, anyway, as you know, chocolate bars and sprouts are, of course, the issues of the moment. Well, remember, there's a tease of the Doctor Who audio novel The Chaos Cascade coming up in the podcast. But before that, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. What we got, mate? Let me get up the old website. I accidentally closed it because I was looking at what the word was. Uh... 178 Doctor Who 1963 Fanfare for the Common Men Oh, let's have the trailer for that Coming soon from Big Finish Productions Doctor Who 1963 Fanfare for the Common Men Ladies and gentlemen Welcome the year's top pop sensation This is what I was talking about, Lissa. Why is everyone making so much noise, Doctor? We can't even see them yet. This is what the Beatles inspired in people. Good grief. What is it, Doctor? It's not there. Who are these Beatles, then? Are they another group? Yes. Are they any good? You must have heard of them. Nobody's as good as the common men. (gasps) The common men! Landed us in the wrong place, have you, Doctor? No, 31st of October 1963. This is definitely right. Something is very, very badly. Get down! Cheers, we've been the common men and will continue to be so tomorrow. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Yeah, this is part of our 1970, 1963 celebration. It must have been the 50th anniversary, was it? Yeah, that's the yeah. 50th anniversary logo on it. Um, yeah, it's out of print, but you can get it as uh, a download. Uh, it's got a great cast in it. Had to have people who could sing because there's a sort of thing going on about the Beatles and not the Beatles in this. Celebrating 1967, a great cover there with uh, the Abbey Road photograph, uh, sort of adapted. It's not actually Abbey Road, but it's a zebra crossing with uh, the Fifth Doctor and three members of a band. And I think David Dobson and Mitch Ben, Mitch Ben, of course, a fantastic performer, brilliant singer and songwriter. One of his, I think, two uh, performances in Big Finish doing an absolutely brilliant job with the songs. Uh, 
Yeah, very memorable, this. I think it's, I want to say it's directed by uh, Barnaby. It is, yes. Barnaby loves a, a production with music in, and the music is by Howard Carter, so he had the responsibility of... I think it features John Smith and the Common Men, doesn't it? It certainly does, <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. The sort of lovely little running theme throughout Big Finish as well, that's referenced quite a lot, isn't it? It is. We can be a bit tiresome like that. Um... <laughs> Listen, uh, while I email Jackie Emery, the content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish website, uh, she might be on holiday, so maybe Sue Cowley, the ever-present Sue Cowley, will pick up on it. Benji, can you explain how listeners can get this discount, but as boringly as possible? Well, I'll just do it as normal then, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, uh, I'll do it in the style of the sort of raffia work... Oh, yeah. So you watched that on Christmas Day, didn't you? I did, yes, I did. Uh, which was put there only just the night before, about three o'clock. Um, yeah. Of course, if you go to bigfinish.com, there may be a strange confusion as to where things really are. Um, you head over to podcasts, uh, which be careful because a friend might lose a friend's hammer. Um, <laughs> click read more once you've read that. Uh, the font itself i think is helvetica um once you're there just click here it says under the picture of us and enter the code back up that's uh, all capital letters no spaces no complications no no grammar no punctuation no numbers just capital letters really back up that's uh, b-u-c-k-u-p um put that in there you will receive 25 percent off of that release we do this every week um, <laughs> and it's really it's, In, interesting it's uh, yeah it's very interesting yes I think you um, I mean I think you went from boring to hesitant <laughs> I'm hesitant thing? in my boringness <laughs> yeah well it was rather good ran uh, as of now, next week's podcast content is top secret. What on Ooh, earth can that mean? Any guesses? Well, yeah. well, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you don't. So, no, so no. you know, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. It's a bit annoying, uh, really. It is, but uh, it's very exciting. I think mm. I think it'll definitely be something for people to be excited about. It's uh, oh, definitely, definitely. It's, oh yes, yes. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, um, uh, yes. Um, in the meantime, it only remains for me to say. This edition of the Big Finish Podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. That's right, I did. And of course, Benji and I did this. Now listen up, hold on, hold on, man, hold on, hold on. We we did this for the love of stories. For the love of stories. Yes. Very good, carry on. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, The Chaos Cascade, a Doctor Who audio novel by Colin Brake and featuring Dan Starkey, Beth Chalmers and Rebecca Root. Doctor Who, the audio novels. The Chaos Cascade, written by Colin Brake, read by Beth Chalmers, Rebecca Root, and Dan Starkey. Episode 1.
Tanya Bell, Defender of Earth. I shot her a look. But my darling Liv is not the type to be silenced by a glare. Don't call Torchwood. Forget unit. TARDIS not needed because Tanya Bell is here to save the day, she declared with more than a trace of sarcasm. It's not like that, I told her. But she just raised her eyebrows, clearly not believing a word of it. It's my own fault, of course. I should have kept quiet until we'd reached our destination. After all, I'd sold the idea of our trip as a holiday. A chance to get out of the city and see more of the country. I should have held back on any hint of a mystery until later. No more secrets, we'd said. A slightly awkward silence settled between us. I looked out of the train window as we rumbled through the English countryside. Sheep grazing, clusters of hilltop trees, fields of bright yellow rape waving in the breeze. The whole thing as alien to a hardcore city girl like me as any vista on Mars or Venus. But not for my travelling companion, the out-of-this-world Ms. Livchenka. She's used to travelling far further than the Yorkshire Dales. And when I say out-of-this-world, I'm not exaggerating. She's not from this planet. She's from somewhere called Kaldor, hundreds of years in the future. And no, before you get the wrong idea, she doesn't have a bumpy head or pointy ears or tentacles where her hands should be. She's as human as you and I, just not from planet Earth in the 21st century. That just happens to be where she lives, with me, very happily. Thank you very much. Liv travelled extensively with the mysterious Doctor in his TARDIS, but she gave up her adventures to live a more normal life, whatever that is, with me in London in the 2020s. But the thing is, once you've entered the Doctor's world, you don't ever look at things the same way again. It's been mostly quiet on the alien activity front since the Doctor dropped Liv off, Although I know for a fact that there are aliens living amongst us on Earth, there's been nothing to cause a fuss or require an intervention. We did meet another version of the Doctor at a flat-pack warehouse shop, and that was weird. It was him and not him at the same time. Sonic screwdriver, TARDIS, running up and down corridors, all present and correct. But at the same time, it was a completely different face. One with greater sadness in his eyes, and, most bizarrely, a northern accent, like he was from somewhere near Manchester. Liv and I have really begun to put down roots. With the whole world around us trying to get to grips with the life in which Covid is a thing, we've had to create our own new normal. An existence without alien incursions, unexplained phenomena, or misplaced time travellers. But like I said, once you've seen that world, you can never unsee it. Long story short, I keep my eyes open, my ears to the ground, just in case there's something, anything, that might require a closer look. And that's why we were really on our way to a remote area of the Yorkshire Moors. There had been a report in the news about a crashed communications satellite that screamed cover story to me. It was almost word for word from the old Torchwood playbook, a standard nothing-to-see-here press release that I saw through straight away. Even so... I might not have been inclined to investigate further had it not been for some other unexplained things that cropped up around the same time. You would have had to have gone looking for it, like I did, to see any pattern, but putting together the odd social media post, an isolated regional newspaper report, and someone phoning in to a late-night local radio station, I began to see something. Nevertheless, because it was all a bit flimsy, I decided not to tell Liv the real reason for the trip, but 
Once we were on the train, I fessed up. From the way she'd reacted, I'd say that might have been a mistake. But difficult and snarky, though she frequently is, Liv's not one to sulk for long. I think she had enough of that from the doctor, and she soon got over it. Go on then, spill the beans. That's the expression, isn't it? She said after a while, breaking the silence. I told her it was the expression. And then I told her all about what I was doing. Just as I expected, she was a, a bit dismissive. Is that all you've got? A bit of local paranoia and the ramblings of some insomniac on the radio? Well, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound much, I agreed. But that cover story, that's blatant. Something other than a communications satellite came down. I'm certain of it. She looked at me with those deep blue eyes of hers, which then narrowed as the thought came to her. You're not hoping to see him, are you? The Doctor. I'll be honest. The possibility that the Doctor might be involved had not occurred to me at all. Which is strange, because it's an obvious association. Weirdness, aliens, mystery. It all sort of shouts Doctor when you think about it. But for some reason, my mind hadn't gone there. At least, not my conscious mind. No, of course not, I said. Because he won't be, Liv continued, determined to hammer home her point. He can't always be there. It'd be too much of a coincidence, wouldn't it? I had to agree, it would be a coincidence. But I knew that the Doctor had a habit of turning up just where he was needed. So like the girls in my favourite podcast, I decided I'd keep an eye out for that famous blue box of his just in case. You do know you're being totally unreasonable, don't you? Her words were directed at that infuriating do-gooder, the Doctor. How many of his pets... No, not pets. What did he call them? Assistants? Companions? Human shields? Whatever they were called. She knew that there must have been dozens of them over the years standing exactly where she was, saying something remarkably similar. Surely she was better than that. She was the Time Lord, currently known as Missy, a distaff regeneration of the Doctor's oldest frenemy, the Master. Missy liked to consider herself the superior model, her mind as sharp as ever, but with greater self-control and a much improved sense of humour compared to any of her previous Hirsute incarnations and with a better dress sense to boot. She was a small woman with attractive but sharp features, a pert mouth and dark hair. Looked like she was cosplaying Mary Poppins in an Edwardian jacket and matching long skirt in shades of vivid purple. While Missy was shorter in stature than she was used to, this current incarnation was one of the tallest doctors, long-limbed with a well-worn face, a distinctive perhaps even noble nose, and white-haired, he was, by some counts, in his twelfth body, although scholars have frequently gone to war over the numbering of his incarnations. He was also currently acting as Missy's jailer. Recently, she had been claiming to have changed her spots, to have reconsidered her path in life, in short, to have become a reformed character. Unfortunately, it was a transformation that the Doctor was struggling to believe in. The two Time Lords were currently the only occupants of that magnificent space and time machine, the TARDIS. 
Inside its incongruous Metropolitan Police Public Call Box outer shell, the TARDIS contained countless corridors, rooms and chambers filled with flotsam and jetsam from all of time and space. It was also incredibly old, unpredictable and occasionally bad-tempered, much like its owner, and required frequent care to ensure that it continued to function. Hence the present situation. The Doctor having decided to give his old ship a little tune-up. He looked up from the mass of wires that he was manipulating. Unreasonable? Me? he retorted. Missy took in the location of the wiring and realised what he was trying and failing to do. Are you attempting to recalibrate the helmet regulator? I might be, replied the Doctor a little sulkily. But you disconnect the dynamorphic generator first, of course. Of course. I'm not a total idiot. Matter of opinion, Missy thought to herself. I would never suggest that you were, Doctor, Missy assured him. But anyone can make a mistake. Are you sure you wouldn't like me to help? The Doctor replied with a terse no. And then, as if realising that he might have been just a tad short, he added a muttered, Thank you. Missy looked on as the doctor buried his head inside a roundel and then emerged, clutching a fistful of cables and wires. And now he was wielding his trusty sonic screwdriver. Of course he was. Honestly. He sneered about her love of her tissue compression eliminator, but his obsession with the sonic, more of a child's toy than a serious tool back on Gallifrey, was far worse, surely. Missy winced. It was like watching an inexperienced skater venture out onto thin ice. Just a matter of time before gravity had its way. He was muttering to himself about needing to find the right feed without shorting anything else, when... Ow! Something amid the bundle of cables in his hand sparked for the briefest of moments. Missy crossed the room. Here, let me take a look, she offered. The doctor insisted that he had the matter in hand, but nevertheless, he allowed her to remove the wires. He then watched as she efficiently replaced them neatly in the concealed unit behind a wall roundel, having first disconnected and reconnected key elements, before finally slamming the covering back into place. She looked at him expectantly. Petulantly, he claimed that he had been just about to do exactly the same thing. A simple thank you might have been polite, said Missy. The doctor sighed and whispered a barely audible, Thank you. He climbed a nearby staircase and started wandering around the mezzanine walkway. Missy matched his movement on the lower level of the console room, circling the central console. The thing is, you're not giving me a chance, are you? Continued Missy, now that she had his full attention. A chance to do what? A chance to prove that my change of hearts is genuine, she said. The doctor stopped walking and shrugged. Is it any wonder with your history? With our joint history? With all the harm you've caused across time and space? Missy leant back and shot a stern look at her old adversary. But you do believe there's some good in all people, don't you? That's one of the things I've always admired in you. The depths of your compassion. Really? I told you. 
I've changed, evolved. It's this latest regeneration. I'm seeing things differently. But I can't demonstrate my reformation if you keep me locked up. I've let you out of your cell, haven't I? The doctor pointed out, waving at their surroundings. Only into the slightly larger cell that is your TARDIS. Slightly larger? Queried the doctor. You know what I mean, doctor. If I'm ever going to persuade you that I have changed for good, I need to be out there, interacting with the universe. She gestured towards the police box doors, the exit to wherever and whenever the TARDIS materialized. At that moment, however, the TARDIS was happily meandering through the space-time continuum. But when it stopped, she was determined to be allowed to explore with the Doctor. How else could she ever prove herself to him? Seeming to come to a decision, the Doctor suddenly reversed direction, moving towards his large blackboard, on which he liked to outline plans, sketch gadgets and write lists. Grabbing a piece of chalk, he began to scrawl on the board. I promise to give it some thought, but first... He paused as he underlined the heading he had just written, which consisted of two words in capitals. The rules. If, and it is at the moment very much an if, he continued. If I agree, you must abide by three rules. One, you always follow my instructions. Two, no wandering off. And three, again he paused. And three, prompted Missy as the doctor finally stopped writing. Three, absolutely and definitively no killing. Especially by... And I want to make this absolutely clear, especially by tissue compression. Is that clear? Missy nodded, her face a picture of demure acceptance. Crystal, she said, whilst crossing her lace-gloved fingers behind her back. It was always good to give yourself some leeway in any negotiation. Suddenly, an alarm began to sound. The doctor dropped his chalk and hurried down the metal steps to the console. That alarm, I don't think I've ever heard that before, said Missy, reading displays on another panel. Nor have I, agreed the doctor. It's a unique signal, an energy form I don't recognize. But there's something else in there, something more familiar, observed Missy. Artron energy. The doctor shook his head. How can time energy be used as a distress signal? That makes no sense. And yet, here we are, Missy pointed out. Can't ignore something like that, can we? said the doctor. Are you really looking to me for approval? said Missy. The doctor grinned and asked Missy to help him lock onto the coordinates so they could track the signal to its source. Aye, aye, Captain, replied Missy, snapping a sarcastic salute to the brim of her purple bonnet. The doctor flipped a sequence of controls and then grabbed the dematerialization lever. Here we go! he announced, pulling it firmly down. Immediately, the TARDIS lurched and started to spin wildly, careering up and down like a bottle in a very wild sea. Caught by surprise, both Time Lords were thrown to the floor. 
I always said you were a terrible driver, muttered Missy, pulling herself back to her feet. This isn't my driving, the doctor insisted, trying and failing to stand up himself, as the TARDIS continued to buck and roll wildly. To his annoyance, he could see that Missy had managed to get back to the console and had now found sufficient points of contact to anchor herself in place. Good news, she announced, reading the instruments. We have materialized. And the bad news? demanded the doctor. Who said there was any bad news? asked Missy. Call it a lucky guess, said the doctor, as a particularly nasty bit of cosmic turbulence threatened to spin him upside down. Okie dokie, the bad news would be exactly where we've materialized. Missy explained. We're in the Chaos Cascade. The Doctor's mouth fell open in pure surprise. That's impossible, he managed to stammer eventually. The Chaos Cascade was a notorious area of space subject to the most unpredictable and chaotic forces, an area where the normal rules of physics, time and space were meaningless. It's impossible for a TARDIS to materialize inside the Chaos Cascade insisted the Doctor. Impossible or not, here we are. But I don't think we'll be staying here, said Missy, calmly. Even a TARDIS can't hold out against unpredictable chaos energy for long. If we don't make a swift exit, we'll be ripped apart. The Doctor took advantage of a lurch in the right direction and half jumped, half fell onto one of the console panels. As this you're doing, he demanded. If the TARDIS safeguards didn't cut in to prevent the materialization, then you must have tampered with them. Missy glared at him across the console. You disconnected all the safety protocols, even the HADs, before you started your running repairs, remember? She reminded him. If you'd let me help when I first offered, it'd all be fine. But oh no, heaven forbid the great doctor needing help. The wild bucking of their vessel ceased for a moment before suddenly restarting with a renewed ferocity. The doctor's hands fluttered over the controls of his panel. We have to try and break free, but I'll need your help. Missy feigned the sudden deference. I'm sorry, you'll have to speak up. It's a wee bit noisy in here. The doctor glared at her. Don't milk it. I need your help. Teamwork makes the dream work, said Missy. Without any further communication, the two Time Lords set to the task of rerouting power. If we shut down all non-essential power use, the doctor began to suggest. Already done that, replied Missy. But we're going to need more than that to force an emergency dematerialization. The Doctor sighed. We can jettison some of the TARDIS mass and convert it into energy at the moment that we need it. Missy frowned. We need coordinates. We need somewhere safe to land. Agreed. But given the energy we will need to escape from the Chaos Cascade itself, we can't get far, said the Doctor. Can you scan for something we can land on? A planet? A spaceship? Anything in range? Missy flicked switches and stared at the readouts in front of her. I think I've got something. There's a space station, several in fact, around the perimeter of this cascade. Missy informed him. Pick one, we don't have much time. Coordinates entered, ready. As I'll ever be, muttered the doctor. Hold on, this might be rough. How much rougher can it get? Asked Missy. The doctor grabbed the materialization lever and exchanged a look with her. Release the extra energy on three. Missy nodded. One, two, three. Big finish for the love of stories.